This podcast is part of the Michigan Sports and Entertainment Podcast Network. Go to michigansportsandentertainment.com for more great podcasts. Welcome, everybody, to the Skeptical Skeptics Podcast. I'm your host, RJ Metzger. And I'm Rachel Metzger. And we are in episode 24. Um, news about the show. Not much has changed. We're still on an uptick, uh, which is cool. It's been a really, really successful month for us. So thank you, everybody, for joining. Also want to shout out Melina Palin and Bernard Howith. Hopefully I said your guys' names right. Um, both of you guys reached out this week. and We just want to uh, say that we appreciate you. And thank you so much for sharing your thoughts on the show. And for Melina for sharing that story. Uh, Rachel's actually going to be researching it for a future episode. And yeah, so feedback, always welcome, always appreciated. And thank you so much. I want to be real here. I have never known what episode we're on. Every time you say um, we're on episode, I have a small panic attack because I don't actually know what episode it is. I only know because of the file structure that I saved the episode in. And honestly, <laughs> I started saying what episode we were on because we dropped saying what a skeptical skeptic was. <laughs> um, so for those of you who don't know, or if you're new to the show for the first like 10 whole episodes, I would go and being a skeptical skeptic is being in between a true believer and non-believer or something like that. And just always explained what it was because I felt like our name needed explaining. Um, and once there was kind of that dead air and I didn't know what to say, I, I just started saying what episode we were on. Um, but yeah, so in the news this week, uh, obviously everybody pretty much is aware at this point that Notre Dame has been burning down. So sad. Or has burnt down. It was burning down yeah, it's actively. it's like already happened. Yeah, um, super depressing. So we thought we might share a couple of ghost stories from Notre Dame. Uh, two of them are very similar. One was a locksmith who was charged with redoing all the locks and under the pressure of potential failure, he decided to go ahead and reach out to the devil for the help. And they, oh. yeah, and it so was a Satanist lockpick. No, he he was so he's such a good Catholic that uh, he was actually terrified of failing. So instead of calling the on Catholic you know church for instead of falling on you know God, I mean well, like okay, hey God look, help it's me a out story. here. It's like no no I need the power of Satan to get these locks right. Yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> okay. it said that uh, the devil helped him though because he did it. The only problem was he died two days later. Um. Another story, very similar. Blacksmith was... Uh, Wait, hold on, hold on. I want to... That, that makes me think, like, the guy was like, hey, Satan, help me out here. And the devil's over on his tramping grounds, right? Walking around in a circle, and he's like, should I help this guy? He's thinking this about it. This is a church. I don't love churches. Not a big fan. But another soul. That no, sounds yeah, good. No, I'll help him, but he'll be dead soon. He'll be dead, yeah. Anyway, so uh, another guy, Blacksmith, was charged with redoing some doors. Also, terrified of failure, reaches out to the devil, right? So the devil actually seals his soul into one of the doors that he did. Um, and the reason why this came around is because this door like wouldn't move for a long time until a, a priest was like, forget this, douses it in holy water and it like comes free. Right. Because <laughs> that's the answer to a door that doesn't move. <laughs> I think it's like that old saying when your only tool is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. I think that's the thing with priests, you know. All right. Power of Christ compels you just dousing everything. Anyway, so uh, the door came free and they said that... Uh, that his soul was released from his pact with the devil. I'm assuming the dude was dead 
Or was he alive? Who knows? Bang, it's the 13th century. This is super oh. old. Well, you didn't, you did not preface that. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, Notre Dame, so, super sad. Story here, don't ask the devil for help. No, it's a terrible idea. I, I mean, I think, I think we all that. already knew that, but just in case you didn't. Go watch like any season of Supernatural. It's a terrible idea. So today I'm going to be talking about... <laughs> How you've lost your mind? Yes, precognition, which I clearly have done of. Um, yeah, so I'm going to be just talking about some people that foretold the future. Yep. that was quality i like that i'm trying to make you happy about not giving away too much i mean it's not me it's the listeners the listeners never complained you're the only person that complained i know you couldn't care less because you don't listen to the show we got a one star somewhere oh yeah hey shout out to you whoever (laughs) you are probably a lizard person believer (laughs) slash anti-vaxxer or, or maybe flat just earther. someone who doesn't like us i don't know maybe but probably anti-vaxxer or flat earther we knew that we knew the cost when we uh, decided to jump on that side of the fence it's true when we decided to put our opinions out there yeah we knew the cost Hat slash facts whatever you want to say mostly facts you, you know who? what if we get more one star reviews at least put in there that you're a flat earther please <laughs> <laughs> so i am going to be talking about the pascagoula abduction and i'm very sorry if i'm saying that wrong Nah, it sounds right. I'm pretty sure it's right. I don't know. So on October 11th of 1973, two co-workers, Charles Hickson and Calvin Parker, were fishing off a pier on the Pascagoula River in Mississippi. So they got off work and they were like, let's go fishing. Okay. So they reported that they suddenly heard a whirring slash whizzing sound. And when they looked at the water, they saw blue lights reflecting off of it. Mm Mm-hmm. So when they looked in the sky, they saw what they reported was an oval-shaped object. Um, one man, uh, I think Parker said it will look to him like a football. Um, and they claimed it was about 30 to 40 feet across and 8 to 10 feet high. I always think about that because like, I feel like if that was me and I was in that situation and they were like, how big do you think it was? I'd be like, uh, I like can't guesstimate sizes of things. Much less under pressure. No, like yeah. even just normally. Like I couldn't tell you how big something how is. How long do you think Larry is? Oh no. I don't know. <laughs> from from right now in his current two position. Feet. Two feet. <laughs> Wait, are you doing like nose to tail? Yeah. Nose to tail? Yeah, he's probably about two feet. That's not bad. All right. He's a weenie dog, by Ooh, the way. That's rough. We'll post a picture of him on our social media accounts. That's pretty scary. I'm not good at it. Anyways. So they reported f- being completely conscious during the whole thing. Well, at one point they reported this. Parker reported something different later, later but I will talk about that. Um, but feeling completely paralyzed as three legless creatures floated off of the craft. One had no neck with gray wrinkled skin. And another had a neck and appeared to be more feminine. I think just the presence of a neck made it appear more feminine. <laughs> they did not report what the third one looked like. Um, He also reported that their hands were shaped like mittens or crab claws. Crab Um, people? Possibly crab people. So the creatures took them on board, did an examination on both of them, and then returned them back to the pier. That's what they reported. Fairly normal. So Parker, at first, was very reluctant to tell anyone what happened, but Hickson convinced him that they should. So he's the one that had the anal probe, in other words. Yes, of course. Um, or they both did, just Hickson didn't 
dislike it as much as Parker, maybe. Um, so within days of this alleged abduction, the town was basically swarming with reporters and journalists and all kinds of people, of course, wanting to tell their story. A man named James Harder um, hypnotized the men. And from what they said and their actions while hypnotized, he said he believed that they had experienced extra extraterrestrial phenomena. So apparently uh, that's, yeah, you don't say. So apparently that's all the proof we need. So they did pass a sobriety test. So they weren't just completely, you know, drunk at the time and confused, I guess. Which is shocking because I know a lot of people that fish. I'd say <laughs> 98% of them do so while intoxicated. I mean, there's a chance they were drinking. They just weren't to the level of, you know, completely like loaded off their off their mind and to where they couldn't. Couldn't tell if a person was a crab person <laughs> that was floating around with no neck. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Fair enough. Um. So Hickson, um, also Hickson was much older than Parker. Hickson's at the time, I'm going to say it was like 42 or 43. Parker was 19. Hickson basically like latched onto this and appeared on many talk shows, did lectures and, and wrote one? a book. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, he also claimed he had another extraterrestrial experience in 1974. And oh, geez. That the, these aliens were well, very no wonder why peaceful. he was like, we can talk about it. It's right. fine. Right. So in 2011, Hickson died at the ripe old age of 80. So he was, you know, he was pretty old. Um, after he died, Parker started to attend UFO conventions. And he even started his own company called the UFO Investigations, which was a, like a, his own television network that was supposed to tell stories about UFOs. They did not comment on whether or not it actually did well or ever made anything. I'm going to guess no. I don't know. Um, so here's where we all kind of go into like the more skeptical side, like other people who were skeptics. Um, Hickson was made to take a polygraph test. He it the polygrapher reported that Hickson firmly believed he had had an extraterrestrial experience. But the problem was apparently this polygrapher guy was like not very acclaimed and not very like he wasn't a police polygrapher. He just was like, I do I this. own a machine. And, I do this yeah. on them as a side job. And so when prompted to then go to the cops and do it, Hickson was like, nah, son, I'm good. So everyone was kind of like, eh, really? Um, also, of course, as time went on, Hickson embellished his story. Things changed, got more exciting, that kind of stuff. Um, and also it was hard to believe. Well, because, good, because that original story sucked. Yeah, basically. Um, another, a lot of people also had a hard time believing it because in the beginning, Parker actually was quoted saying he passed out at the beginning of the incident and failed to regain consciousness until it was over. But... So Parker kept quiet basically about this until 2013. He didn't like talking about it. He didn't want reporters at his house. He was basically the opposite of Hickson. He didn't go on talk shows. He was not about it. Um, and then in 2013, he decided he was really tired of like the back and forth and the lies and everything like that. Um, and he wrote a book about it and talked all about it. And that's actually where I got a lot of these details because the other stuff was a lot more vague. But he claimed he remembered all of it and that it was completely true and all that stuff. So Parker makes me a little bit interested, more interested in this story because I feel like Hickson is so classic, like whether or not something actually happened, let's build off this. Like let's take off because people are so interested in the idea of not only aliens, but especially abductions, right? Like aliens taking you onto their ship and doing things to you. Everyone has been talking about that for a very long time. Um, so him kind of jumping on that bandwagon and making money off of it and books and all that kind of stuff makes total sense. But Parker, I'm a little bit more like reluctant. 
Because then either it's, it did happen, but it freaked him out so bad that he never wanted to talk about it. Right. Or it didn't happen, <clears throat> but he went along with it with Hickson just because he was his buddy and maybe he wanted to make money and then he decided he didn't. But then after Hickson died, he was tired of hearing people talk crap about him and he decided like, I'm going to go along with the lie now. I right. don't know. Yeah, I mean, gun to my head, I think what happened was they probably saw something weird at the river and then it just kind of snowballed and snowballed and snowballed until the dude died. And then the other guy was like, forget it, I'll, I'll back him up. Yeah, because he was his friend. He's a ride or die, yeah. Yeah, but anyways, I don't know. So we've never actually talked about abduction, so let's do it. What's your thoughts? Do you think it happens? <sighs> do you think it don't happen? doesn't happen? It don't happen? I'm in between it doesn't happen and it don't happen. I don't know. Uh, I don't know, actually. There, So we'll do some more cases, but there are some really intriguing ones. Like, well, I wanted to do the very first one I ever recorded. Yeah. Um, but it's a super long it story. Long, and yeah. I was actually thinking at some point we'll probably do a special, a special on it on just because it then, really yeah. deserves its own thing. We could do it. I, I think it's so difficult because it's one of those things where an abduction is such a substantial claim, right? Like... Oh, yeah. You know, it's not, oh, I saw a ghost in the corner of the or room. Or I saw it's, a weird object floating in the sky. Right. It right. is like, no, I was physically manipulated and by I these things. And I physically saw aliens, which how often did Well, and I saw them enter that? my body, you know, like, yeah. it just gets to a whole different level. And so it's really, 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 really tough to just look at somebody and well, go, yeah, there's no way that happened. And I think it's like, of course, in our brain, like, if you're going to think, if we thought about, okay, if aliens decided to abduct a person, what would they do to it? Our first idea, no matter what, would be an examination, right? Because what would we do if an alien, if we found aliens? Right. We would examine them. That's what people claim we have done, yeah. Right. So that's what I'm saying. So like, it's, it's a part of it is like, huh, well, that's believable that that would happen. But the other part of it is like, yeah, but it's also like the thing everyone thinks would happen. So it's really easy to make up. If that makes well, sense. I, the other hard part for me is just like the human brain deals with trauma in such a weird way that it's like, you know what I mean? Like you could have been taken by anybody and then your brain could have like superimpose like alien images on it like that's not out of the question and so like that would explain why some people are like so tenacious about like no this happened to me but at the same time it's like it probably didn't happen so i don't know it's just kind of tough like i i see some people like tell these stories and they're like straight bawling and like really going through it you know and it's tough to just look at them and say yeah that didn't happen but at the same time it's just like man the thought of like them coming down, picking up every Joe Bob at every freaking small town. Well, because that would be the best place to do it, right? Some, like, abandoned well, fishing pier in a little dinky town in Mississippi. Right. And people that nobody's ever going to trust, right? Like, they could go out and literally do talk shows and write books and do that. Like, everything. And there's still going to be us sitting here like, it's going to be fine. Probably yeah. not. I mean, if, like, if we were the, if we were the advanced race, we would just look at the patterns of, yeah, they're never going to believe this guy. And then you just take them, you know? Well, and that's the thing, too, is, like, as far as substantial evidence, like there are like hundreds or thousands of abduction cases. Only one would have to be real for it to like absolutely blow our minds. You know what I mean? That's true. Only one. And to say that there's not even one that happened. I don't know. That's really tough. But like the other hard part is like, so the only way you'd actually believe it ever happened, right? Is if it happened to you. And to that, I say, right. no, thanks. Yeah. Hard pass. I'm, I'm good. I'm totally fine. I could live the rest I'd of my live life. I'd rather live with curiosity. Yeah. I'd much rather have to be like, huh, I wonder than no, for sure. Right. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, abductions are like I said, they're tough. And I think they're some of the most emotional, you know, like people cry about like ghosts and stuff like that. But like, I mean, people like legitimately like because that would be terrifying. Well, not only that, but they've like ruined their lives over their whole like I was abducted thing. Like when I was reading about um, 
Parker's story that he decided to talk about, he was like, it's been 45 years. I've been talking about this for, for 45, 45 years. years. Yeah. Like, he's like, I, I'm done. And right. I think that's why he decided to make the book. Cause he was like, I just want to put it out there once and for all and be like, I don't want to talk about this anymore. Well, Especially because I mean, he never you, wanted to talk about it in the first place. Right. Whether it really did or didn't say, happen. Like, wouldn't you, after not wanting to talk about it for so long, like, I think the way that I, I mean, I would definitely want to document it before I left, you know, before I died, like Hickson did. Maybe, maybe that was the thing too, is he was looking at his mortality. Well, you know, my other thought is like, we always talk about, right? Like the whole, oh, you know, he monopolized off of it. He made money off of it. He did all these things. At the same time, if, if you happen, had been abducted, yeah. you would be like, either you would be hiding and you never talk about it ever again. Right. Or you would be screaming it like this happened. This can happen. Aliens yeah, right. are real. Pay attention to me. Well, you know? Right. I mean, because legitimately, like, especially like, I mean, obviously I'm a podcaster who talks about things like if I got abducted tomorrow, the first thing I would do is tell everybody. Yeah. And I don't think honestly, like, I don't think I could ever talk about anything else. No. Like, so what did you do over the weekend? Oh, I got abducted, I got abducted four abducted. years ago. S- something really not chill happened last <laughs> right. night. Yeah. Like, I think the other. Yeah. And so, like, like I said, it adds to this or like you said, it, it adds to the skeptical elements behind it. But at the same time, like, what else would I expect them to do? It's just so hard yeah. in a world like this where it's just like you you can't prove anything. I mean, even if they got literal video evidence, we'd all say, we'd like, all say photoshopped. Fake. Yeah. Right. Like, it's just you can there's just no way to prove it unless you see it happen or too. it actually happens. It's so funny. Like, we think that these things are like capable. Let's let's say aliens are real. They're visiting us. They're they're anally raping people. Right. Like we are so all about. They can like intergalactically travel. They can do this. They can do that. But we don't think they can wipe some video from a phone. You know what I mean? Like, I, it just makes a sense to me that we think that they can do all of this with technology. And then we're like, yeah, but everybody has a phone and they can capture it on camera. Like, I, yeah. Well, I just think we as humans, we just want proof so badly that we and we need it to be like unrefutable. We need it to be to the point of like, literally... I, you cannot tell me that this isn't true. But again, the only way you're going to get that is if you get anally raped. Even then, though, man, I would question it every day. <laughs> I'd be, be like, like, have I lost my mind completely? Was that something else? You know, was that different? <laughs> well, I mean, like people talk about like you were talking about the was trauma. That cheese? We were talking about the trauma thing. Remember that? Um, that kid a little while ago that was like in the woods for like three days. And when they found him, he kept saying like, I was with a bear. I was with a bear, And yeah. a bunch of people kept talking about the chance of that, that could actually be a person. And that because kids can. But with trauma. With he, trauma, you can like relate yeah. it to something else. And like most likely it was a bear. But still thinking about that. That like if you most can. Most likely it was a bear. I don't know. I'm going to go ahead and say it was a freaking bear. Like why would. He was like 20 feet. No, not 20 feet. But he was like not that far from his own house. Why would the person, if a person took a child, they're not going to be like, let's hang out in the woods for three days and I'll just leave you here and your parents can come find you. Yeah, that sounds like bear material. That sounds like a bear. Bear's like, you're good now. They'll come find you. It's fine. I'll leave you in this weird tree. (laughs) But anyways, I'm just saying if if your brain can, if that's, because that's obviously happened for people to talk about that before. So if your brain can take a human and turn it into a bear because you've gone through so much trauma, right? Then what? How could it not do that? Do that. Also, there's always the chance of drugs. Well, they said they were sober, but yeah, mm, there's certain things that not for the thousands of people, though. Yeah. Yeah. Also, yeah. That's yeah. what I always. That's my well, first reaction. Like always. Nine hundred ninety-eight of them could be. Well, but can you imagine if someone actually did drugs and then actually was? Yeah, that would be. <laughs> was well, that's another point too. Like these people, like the, the aliens are so advanced, right? Like I would have a scanner that was like, oh, who's yeah. my most messed up dude? Find some guy like hanging out in Anybody a weird on like meadow yeah. on drugs. Just like you scan for LSD and take that guy. Yeah, because right. well, then they're near, they don't even say anything. No, because then like I was on LSD. It or wasn't if they an do, alien. they'll be like, let's drug test him. Right. Or somebody's like, oh, that's Kevin. Kevin always does LSD. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's his eighth abduction in the month. <laughs> Only one of them was real, <laughs> but it was real. You know. Yeah, I don't know. It's tough. Uh, 
uh, as far as like, here's my big thing. And it always will be with aliens. If they're capable of like intergalactic travel, they're probably capable of doing all this without us ever detecting them. So Easily. Like, let's say they even do it. They're probably not even the ones that we figure out are doing mm-hmm. it. Yeah. I mean, heck, we have we have drugs as human beings that make you forget an experience. Becky had it whenever they set her bone or whatever. Like um, anytime you take amnesia, like you don't remember uh, amnesia. You take the amnesia drug. <laughs> no, anytime you uh, get put under, you're uh, you're anesthetized. Also, there's a cool thing you called roofies. It. Yeah, roofies. Like aliens are just traveling around with roofies. <laughs> yeah, putting them in people's drinks. Like I just don't. I don't see well, how like, like that Parker guy when he said when we felt paralyzed, he said it's like they gave it. Like it felt like. Because what happened was when they, it's like when they, he said, when they touched me, I felt paralyzed. They felt like they put, he felt like they put something in his body. Yeah, see, exactly. Um. So yeah, alien abductions, not sure. That's when I really am like in a really big gray area of, mm, gray. because I just don't know. That one's like, I, I got nothing. I can't lean towards either way. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty tough. All right. So let's take another ad break break for ads ad for breaks and break ads break break ads ads facebook uh, facebook facebook fast forward button This is Brew Crime, a craft beer and true crime podcast. I'm Mike. I'm Beck. And I'm Nina. And we're your hosts. We pair a true crime story with a craft beer. That Nina will probably hate. Yeah, probably. Whatever. You can find our show on all your favorite podcast apps, and if you can't find it, contact us, and we'll try and change that. We can be found at brewcrime.com, or on Twitter at brewcrime, on Facebook at brewcrime, or if you want to go to our group, it's group slash brewcrime on Facebook, or on Instagram at Pacific Beer Chat. Join us as we discuss the horrible crimes that surround us and try not to giggle. Okay, so I have a couple cases of precognition, right? Um, So in the 1960s, uh, some ESP experiments were carried out in the sleep laboratory of New York's Maimonides? 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 Medical Center? I don't know. If you're from New York, tell me how to say that. It's spelled Maimonide. Maimonide. Uh, anyway, some of the studies investigated pre- precognition where the subject described dreams that occurred before um, like a target picture had been selected. So uh, in other words, like they would describe a dream. Right. And there was already like a uh, picture that the the scientists had in mind mm-hmm. that was never shared. I think it was even a double blind like the scientists didn't know, but some other guy knew. Wow. And uh, so then, like, let's say the picture was like a ocean landscape. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the person would be like, I feel like you're going to tell me about an ocean. Right. Um, and then they did reveal it anyway. So they found out that uh, five out of eight experiments were direct hits and two more of the eight were close matches. And the odds against uh, guessing it were five thousand to one wow. at that rate. Um, anyway, this kind of ties into a different study that was done on, um, can your body actually tap into precognition whenever your, uh, like sensibilities are threatened? I may have talked about this on the show. I'm not sure, but, uh, where like they inject like a pornographic image in a deck of a bunch of regular images. Have I talked about this? I, it's hard to tell. You've talked about this with me. Yeah. I don't know if we've done it on the show, but anyway, if we have fast forward, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Fast forward button. Um, 
but anyway, so like they, they would put a pornographic image like in a deck of uh, regular, just like docile, like landscapes or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then um, some people think that because of the mild state, like super mild state of drama, uh, tr- trauma, not drama and drama. Sure. Um, <laughs> I'm in a mild state of drama, um, <laughs> mild state of trauma um, that like, well, and they put like dismembered body parts, like really disturbing images right. in this deck. Um, but they could actually see that like the body, it was like their body warning them. Yeah. They, they would see huh. like their heart rate raise and like. Um, like re- like adrenal reactions just prior to the image showing up. And there was no way of them knowing where the image was in the deck. That one for sure was a double blind, right? Okay. Um, but anyway, so it was like they have no idea. They're just flipping through a slideshow. And I mean, imagine the randomness of it, right? It's just, and maybe, and it's been argued that it was like, Maybe it was just timing of just like, you know, something's coming yeah, because yeah. they're in a study. Right. right. So something's got to be that. happening. Yeah. But it's like I, I can't remember the exact. It was like 82 percent of the subjects had that spike directly before the image. Wow. Um, and so they kind of what it what it was, the whole purpose of this was tying into that whole uh, sixth sense of like when you know you're going to get into a car accident, like a lot of people know that feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, so like even as I say that, like people are going to think of times where they knew somebody was going to die or they knew, you know, like all these or things, those, all those times that you're like, I just have a really bad feeling kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, so they were trying to put that to numbers anyway. So they did that, but with dreams with this one. So essentially they would share their number of dreams. I mean, their what their dream was about. Um, and then it happened to be about what they were. And I would fill this study. I have like, I remember a dream <laughs> like worst. once every six months. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, so, uh, the, the, the experiment was not sound, right? Like you can find critiques about the experiment everywhere, but at the same time, it's still interesting, right? It's just interesting. Um, but anyway, so then now we're going to talk about like Abraham Lincoln, which did you know that he famously dreamed about his death? Not until you told me. Previously? Today. Oh, today. Okay, yeah. <laughs> oh, there we go. Uh, anyways, so Ward Hill Lehman, who is Abraham Lincoln's former law partner, friend, and sometimes bodyguard, uh, reported this story that before Lincoln's assassination on April 14th of 1865, he uh, shared a dream with Lehman and a couple other close friends, including his wife, Mary Todd, that he walked into the East Room of the White House to find a covered corpse guarded by soldiers and surrounded by a crowd of mourners. When Lincoln asked one of the soldiers who had died, their soldier replied, the, the president, he was killed by an assassin. Um, um, yeah. So this has kind of blown up. Um, over the years, people are like, oh, he, you know, preconceived his death. But interestingly, uh, Lincoln actually insisted to Layman that the body on display was not him. Mm-hmm. Um, so he didn't even see it as his own, like, dream of his own demise. But Layman kind of put those together. Right. Um, and then, you know, some people like really were kind of iffy about this because Layman didn't share the story for like 20 years after the assassination. But Layman did claim that he started like telling the story because he went back through his notes from the year 1965. So right oh, before yeah. and he was like, Oh, or yeah, no, from the year that Lincoln was dead. And he was Not like, Oh 1965? yeah. 1865. Sorry. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> <"Hold on." laughs> Lincoln's old. Um, anyway, <laughs> the assassin just poked him in his soft spot and he died. Um, <laughs> no. So, uh, in 1865. So he was like going through his notes. He was like, oh, yeah, this happened. And then he started like telling the story. But anyway, um, there was also another story, though. And this is the one that's been like it's been going around on the Internet in memes and stuff. It's from the book A. Lincoln, His Last 24 Hours by uh, last, a guy with the last name Rec. Um, anyway, so he has a story in it where 
Lincoln's main bodyguard at the White House was named uh, Crook. That's his last name. Mm-hmm. And he, Lincoln to- told Crook about a- another dream about his death. Right. And Crook was like, well, don't go to the theater. Right. And then Lincoln was like, no, nah, I mean, I'm going to go. It's just a dream. It's silly. And started yeah. talking about like the Bible and stuff like that. Wow. Anyway. So uh, but then here's the here's the part that Crook like noted. He said that Lincoln told him goodbye, which in his years of service, Lincoln had never said goodbye to him. He always said goodnight. And so Crook, like, even remembered thinking that was that was strange. Hmm. Um, so anyway, those two stories together with Layman and Crook, that's what's blown up into Lincoln knew he was going to die. Um, so another similar story. The uh, the only prime minister of England to have been assassinated was named Spencer Percival. Um, and he died in 1812. Um, so there was this guy, John Williams, with no personal connection to the assassin or to Percival. Uh, living in England, had a series of disturbing dreams that he uh, relayed to like his closest friends. So this is this is John Williams own words regarding those dreams. He said about the second or third of May, 1812, I dreamed that I was in the lobby of the House of Commons, a place well known to me. And a small man dressed in a blue coat and white waistcoat entered. And immediately I saw a person whom I had observed on my first entrance dressed in a snuff colored coat, uh, with metal button snuff, is, uh, it's green, essentially. Okay. Um, take a pistol from under his coat and present it at the little man above mentioned. The pistol was discharged and the ball entered under the left breast of the person at whom it was directed. I saw the blood issue from the place where the ball had struck him. His countenance instantly altered and he fell to the ground. Upon inquiry, who the, uh, upon inquiry who the sufferer, sufferer might be, I was informed that it was the chancellor. I understood him to be Mr. Percival, who was the chancellor of the Exeter, whatever. Anyway, he's the prime minister. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so then he said, after having stated to them, he's talking about his friends and his wife, the particulars of the dream itself and that uh, and what were my own feelings in relation to it. They dissuaded me from my purpose because he was talking about how he wanted to go to England and warn the prime minister. Yeah. Um, or at least write a letter. Um, and they said that uh, I might expose myself to contempt and vexation or be taken up as a fanatic. Yeah. Upon this, I said no more, but anxiously watch the newspaper every evening as the post arrived. On the evening of the 13th of May, Percival was murdered on the 11th. So he had these dreams the second or third. So a Mm -hmm. week before. Okay. Um, As far as I collected, no account of Mr. Percival's death was in the newspaper. But my second son, returning from Truro, um, came in a hurried manner into the room where I was sitting and exclaimed, Oh, Father, your dream has come true. Mr. Percival has been shot in the lobby of the House of Commons. Um, Crazy. Yeah. So that was that was his own words about what happened. Um Anyway, so what happened with uh, Percival was he walked into the House of Commons, uh, which was super, you know, like informal, like mm-hmm. it, like uh, he he didn't have, you know, like a guard detail or anything like this. Yeah. Um, and I guess at the time it was pretty open to the public because there sitting was a, a guy named Bellinger, Bellinger. Um, and he had actually had uh, an issue with um, the Russian ambassador, the, the British Russian ambassador, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he wanted to shoot him for reasons, which we're not a history podcast, so just Google it. But anyway, <laughs> uh, so he wanted to shoot him, uh, but he didn't have a opportunity. So he just took the nearest target, right? Um, and it, and here's the weird part. So he was wearing a, blue, a green coat. Uh, Percival was wearing exactly what he said to have been mm-hmm. wearing. Here's more weirdness, though. Percival also had dreams of a man in a green coat shooting him in the House of Commons. He actually didn't want to go that day 
to the House of Commons. And apparently his presence was not like super requested. So he almost bailed. Um, and he talked to his wife about it. his wife was telling him not to. And he was like, you know what? But it's important. I'm the prime minister. Can I you need imagine? to imagine that's crazy. But here's the thing. Uh, yeah. And specifically the green colored coat. And so this guy was just kind of chilling near the fireplace. And like, there was no way to know he had two pistols on him. Um, and then he approached him and shot him and exact same way. And they both said in the lobby of the house of commons, which is very particular. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, so he he actually had that dream. His wife noted that like he had the dream and he didn't want to go. And then this other random guy is also having the same exact dream. So uh, very weird. Also, as far as like precedent goes, right? The only murdered prime minister. So it's not like this was common, yeah. you know, like it's not like especially there. That, very, very odd. Um. Anyway, so a couple more uh, of the more pressing like precognition ones. So um, there was this old story where a woman uh her child had died and um, they buried him. And she had over the course of one night, multiple dreams of their kid trying to get out of the coffin. Right. Mm -hmm. And so she begs her husband, Hey, you know, you need to go get him. He's like, there's no chance I'm digging this kid up. Right. Um, essentially he thought she was being traumatized, right, which makes yeah. sense. And that, that would just add to the drama. Right. Second night disheveled, multiple dreams about the kid. The dude finally listens. They dig him up and the kid is like, barely alive like not active but they f they they dug him up that he's crying and he sees that the kid like flutters his eyelid that was it just flutters his eyelid so they bring him to the doctor in seven days fully recovered oh my gosh yeah totally fine so had this mom not had those dreams and he the, would have died of and the dad listening right. yeah um so very very odd um and this actually happens quite a bit um, just because trying to find this story again, uh, I found multiple like new, like there was a teenager who was buried alive and family members kind of thought she was. And so they went and smashed her grave open and sadly she had died again. Oh, sad. yeah. So that really sucks. But, but yeah, so this happens, uh, more common than you'd think. Um, obviously Nostradamus is known for precognition. His best, probably most solid, uh, prediction quote unquote would was uh the blood of just will be demanded of london burnt by the fire in the year of 66 um which was the which was a reference to the great fire of london which um what happened in 1666 right so the year 66 mm -hmm. very odd and then this is one that i hadn't heard before but sharon tate who was famously murdered by the manson family right yeah um charles manson and, right. and him uh, anyway, so she was staying at somebody's house and she, quote, started f having a funny feeling and while trying to get some sleep and uh, she woke up and then saw a small man ma matching the description of a guy named Paul Byrne, whose house she was in. He actually passed away in that house. Um, anyway, so she ran out of the room, scared of this ghost. OK. Um, and so then she saw, quote. I saw something or someone tied to the staircase, whoever it was. I couldn't tell if it was a man or a woman, but knew somehow it was either J.C. Bring, whose house she was in, or me. He or she was cut open at the throat. Sharon, Tur and Sharon Tate and J.C. Bring were both murdered by the Manson family and cut at the throat. So very interesting. Um, and then another one was the Titan slash Titanic. Have you heard about that? No. Um, OK, so in 1898, Morgan Robertson put out a novella called Futility, which uh, uh, featured a fictitious ocean liner. Oh, yes. I yeah. heard about this. Yeah. The Titan, which hit an iceberg in the North Atlantic Ocean and sinks, despite being described as unsinkable. A shortage of lifeboats is among the reasons the majority of passengers and crew died. And the crash happened in the month of May. Also, in 1912, the Titanic hit an iceberg with the same exact issues. So um, when actually... 
uh, at the time, like back in the early 1900s, they realized this is insane, which is kind of funny. Um, so they asked Robertson and they said, are you like a psychic? And he goes, no, I just know what I'm talking about. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> which is pretty great. Um, and that was actually that quote was from Time magazine. He's just like, no, nah, I know what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, and, and uh, a recent um Titanic scholar uh, Paul Hare in 2012 said that actually, yeah, that's he just knew what he was talking about because he was a very experienced uh, seaman and Mm. he saw that these. So he literally just could have looked people that built the Titanic and been like, nah. Yeah, not a good idea. So like the uh, he said he he said that he he foresaw that these ships were getting so big that they couldn't uh, that they wouldn't be able to staff them properly with uh, good enough life rafts and, and provisions for this type of stuff. And that icebergs were a threat and he just happened to put it together. And he said, uh, regarding the names, just a coincidence. (laughs) Um, but anyway, so that's pretty funny, but yeah, so precognition, I think is something that, uh, especially in regards to the studies I was talking about earlier and that, that I opened with, I, I have a hard time actually not believing precognition. So I famously hate, uh, like all psychics and mediums right, yeah. and stuff. Like I just, I can't stand them, mm-hmm. but to say that nobody has ever had a quote unquote gift in it. Like, I don't know if that's true. I, I don't know if I can say that. So I have a story. So when I was in middle school, um, you know, they had like those people who go around and do inspirational speeches and stuff like that. And they yeah. come to your school. So I had, um, we had one of the dads of one of the children from Columbine that got murdered. Her name was Rachel, which is, I remember because everyone was like, oh, Rachel, you died in Columbine, which for something you say to people in middle school, I don't, such a messed up place. I don't know why that's okay. Anyways. Um, it's literally not okay. Hold it's on. not okay. Put your hand real quick. All Nothing, middle schoolers are Satan. All of them. Yeah. High schoolers might be worse i don't i don't know it's worse but they're worse i yeah. think but anyways. no no middle schoolers are worse high schoolers actually start to become human beings mm. no they're horrible they are horrible but some of them go man we shouldn't be like this in middle school everybody's <laughs> like that it's true there's just such a like mass amount of peer pressure that it's just like i'll do whatever there was a kid in my middle school who would do sexual asks acts with basketballs and then throw them at us Anywho. His name was Julian. Julian, if you're listening. (laughs) You're taking away from the importance of my story. Anyway, I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah, murder. So, yeah. So, this obviously was like, also, this was back when, like, I think when I was in middle school, Columbine was, like, the only big school shooting that had happened, which obviously nowadays, although just as sad, much more prevalent in our world, at the time, it was huge, right? At the time, talking about that was like, I'm sorry, that happens. You know, people show up to school with guns and kill people. Anyways, that's not the importance of what I'm, it's important, but not what I'm talking about. So, um, the dad talked a lot about how, like, obviously about bullying and like how you can fix all these things. But he also talked about how his daughter, after she died, he found her journal, like her diary. Mm -hmm. Right. And in it, she, she would write all her things and she was, they were a very like strong Christian family. And so talked about a lot about God and all these things. And she said, I, I'm going to say this all wrong. The last time I heard this, I was, 13. So, um, she wrote at one point, I don't know how, I'm pretty sure it was within like a week or two weeks of when Columbine actually happened, but she wrote that either she had a dream or she was praying or something happened where she had a strong belief that she was going to die very soon. Um, but she also was basically told it's okay. You'll like, it'll be okay. Like you, you're going to die and you're going to leave, but it'll be fine. And so she said she felt peace with it. Um, which obviously at 13 years old was hard to hear. But another thing that really freaked me out more, and I, I'll actually, I'll try to find the picture and I can, I'll post it on our page. But um, she drew a picture 
of a rose and then there's like water droplets falling down from the rose and um was it 12 or 14 kids uh, that died i can't remember you can't put me on the spot like 12 that. 12 or 14 um or a different number in case you're totally no, wrong i'm pretty sure it's 12 or 14 but if i'm wrong sorry however many kids died in columbine they were water droplets and then the exact same amount turned into blood droplets wow and fell onto the ground and she wasn't like that's not her thing she wasn't like that she was really happy like sweet sunshiny girl and that's not what she did and everything else she drew was like you know landscapes and flowers and things like that it wasn't like that anyways and that picture really got to me so yeah so he talked a lot about that about her precognition about that that was gonna happen and that kind of stuff so yeah there was another one uh actually the last story was um there was this kid who in australia always um always went to the same coffee shop every saturday with his dad um, and he started having really bad dreams about the coffee shop, but specifically not even like disturbing him. It was just that like a shooting was happening at the, at the coffee shop, but he remembers distinctly like time slowing down and the bullets going around him as though he was impervious to, to the shooting. Right. Um, well, one, one Saturday, the only Saturday day they had missed was because family was in town. They got tickets to an opera at the opera house in Sydney and, uh, they didn't go to the coffee shop that day. And there was a shooting at the coffee shop that day. So, I thought you were about to say that the reason he was impervious was because his dad stood in front of him. And oh, that, no, that would devastate yes, me. Yeah, that would make me cry <laughs> on our podcast, which I don't want to do. No, 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 no. So, yes, the, the dad was alive and well. But, uh, yes, yeah, so, well, not good. Other people died. Right, but, like, good. <laughs> as good as it could be. Small amount of good. Yeah, yeah so, um, yeah, so precognition, it's one of those things that it's very tough to deny. Similar to abductions, actually, just because of the people's, like, such severe, like, reactions to... Well, also- on top of everything else you're saying, we know nothing about our brains. No, yeah, we know our brains nothing are so about capable. our brains. Like we're like, why do we sleep? I don't know. We feel like it. You know, I mean, we know literally nothing about the way our bodies work, but especially our brains. So the likelihood of us having some kind of thing like that going on is completely, I, I think to me, it's completely plausible. Yeah. Um, yes. So I, I've tried to put it, my thoughts into this like many times, but like I keep going back to the way time works, right? Mm -hmm. Like the fact that it's, you know, planar and stuff like if something like everybody agrees, like as far as science goes, that if something were to bend it or tear a hole in it, it would just be a huge amount of energy. Right. Um, but there's just something about the way precognition works in one direction or like deja vu works in one direction. Right. And then ghosts and stuff happen to work in the other where it just seems like time is more malleable than we think it is. At least that's the way it comes off to me. So like if it were to be proven someday, I would think it was that the human brain could manipulate time in some weird way. I don't know. I need to get into that. Something else I've thought of actually that like maybe could be, you know, complete crap. I don't know. But, um, that I think of it, since obviously we all, you know, most of us have had experience with deja vu and stuff, but when these big ones happen, it's almost always like we were talking about like a, like to save you kind of thing, like the whole disturbing images and that kind of thing. I kind of think about like, what if there's like some version of our survival instincts that we don't know about? That's the same kind of thing. That's literally like our body is warning us from these things somehow, because it's literally saying like, it's more important that you survive than anything else. Cause that's what all of our survival instincts are always telling us. And you wonder about that or like I think about like I put it in the same category of like how animals can tell when really bad storms are coming or and I get that for theirs. It's like they can smell it or they can or, or like when an 
a dog knows when that like someone's blood sugar is low or when they're about to have a seizure right. or whatever. Like I think about it, like we, we don't connect ourselves to it very often, but we are animals, right. they are mammals. And so like, although we have, because of our frontal lobe, like we've lost a good amount of our survival instincts or we like ignore them or made them fade or whatever, they're still there. And there could be ones that we don't really know about. Well, or there's the other thing where it's like, you know, in that regard, like our, our survivability, like our pattern detection is off the charts. Yeah, right? true. And so like seeing, you know, anytime maybe, patterns are off or right yes. or super on where it's like too much. I've yeah. never actually been in a car accident, but I've seen enough people get in one that I know it's about to mm-hmm. happen to me. Yeah. I mean, I just think there's so many layers to it, like as far as our own brain function or time or whatever. Um, but yeah, super interesting precognition stories. And they're everywhere. I mean, honestly, like if you if you just Google precognition, like so many people have personal experiences with precognition that that's actually one that like i mean we always say all the time right like so many people witness ufos or bigfoot like there's got to be something to it well this is like way more prevalent than that so um it's more prevalent i would say than even ghosts so that that to me is very compelling it's super interesting um anyway so this has been another episode of skeptical skeptics uh we truly and honestly really appreciate you guys uh watching um, all of our interactions and stuff is one of the highlights of my week. So please reach out to us. We're at SkepSkepPod on all social media, or you can email us at SkepticalSkeptics uh, at SkepticalSkeptics at gmail.com. Um, if you'd like to send us any scary stories, we're going to be doing a listener episode soon and hopefully another special. We were talking about that today about something you guys want to hear about. So um, please, like I said, reach out to us. Leave us a favorable review because we just got our first one star review. Woohoo! It's a, I mean, it's a, it's a landmark. You got to do it. It is a landmark. Yeah. And it's, it's like the only one. And with no comment, It's by driving the way. me insane. Just like, tell me no why comment. I suck. All you have to do is be like, you guys suck. And yeah. I'd be like, cool, got you it. You guys have an annoying voice or yeah. we just hate your that name. Anything. stupid. Yeah, cool. Anything. Awesome. But now just a solid one star. You know what? I, I choose to believe they thought it was a one to five negative scale. <laughs> and they were like, wow, we really just <laughs> love this podcast. maybe it was podcast. like a weird, like overdone accident. I actually think they, it's probably just somebody who knows us personally and doesn't like us. There's <laughs> always blam. that chance. Because they don't want to put their freaking login on it, right? There's no way for us to look. Anyway, so first one star review. So on the flip side, if you want to go and show your love for the show, (laughs) please go give us some reviews on iTunes. Uh, Always makes our week as well. Um, But anyway, yeah, always open to feedback. If you have anything to say about precognition or ghosts or anything at all, uh, please reach out to us. We love to do listener stories. or if you've had an alien abduction, please. Oh, my oh, gosh. Man, that'd be good. We'd actually. And that's that another be the thing. best day of my life. I do life. want to open this up, too. So uh, I'll actually be for listener story episode two, opening a voicemail number that you can call and leave your story um, on voice. That's super interesting. I did not know you could do that. Yeah. So it'll be like a Google voice voicemail number. So um, so if you're interested at all at sharing any story or even being on the show, we can Skype you in. So please. Get a hold of us. Uh, we'd love to have some guests on the show. I think it worked really well with Mark and Mike, and it was a lot of fun. So, um, yeah, appreciate you guys. Uh, have a good week. See you next week. Bye. So I want to take a moment to talk about PodCoin. It's a new app that's out there that actually pays you to listen to podcasts, which considering you're listening to our podcast, I would think maybe you're interested in this. Um, for every 10 minutes that you listen to it, you're going to get something called a PodCoin, which you can use to rack up uh gift cards or stuff for charity. So like we do calories for dogs or like dog food, as Rachel so adamantly wants me to call it, but they count it in calories. And so dadgummit, we've donated like 9000 calories to pups. Um, It's pretty great. So no other podcast app lets you do that. So check it out. Podcoin. Use our promo code skip skip 
S-K-E-P, S-K-E-P, all caps, no spaces, and you'll get 300 free PodCoins uh, for your session with PodCoin. Oh, oh, oh.